Hello, everyone, and welcome to episode 20 of Flipping Tables, the big two zero. I'm one of your hosts, Michael Edwards. And I'm your other excited host, David Lyons. And what better way to celebrate our podcast getting older than to talk about <laughs> gaming as you get older? That was a beautiful segue. Yeah, it's amazing. It, it I was. just thought of that. <laughs> On the flies, man. Yeah, so this was something... I, I kind of always have this topic on my mind um, because I always think like, yeah, this is fun, but I could be playing video games. Because <laughs> as a kid, those were like my two speeds were being outside on my bike and being inside playing video games. And as an old man now with a job and a mortgage and a family. <laughs> Opportunity cost. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. But I, I think the reason it's kind of an interesting topic to me is because my tastes have definitely changed. Um, not that long ago, I replayed Link to the Past, and, like, it was awesome. <laughs> there was no, like, loss of enjoyment or anything. I, I played it with the exact same gusto. But that that's, I, like, the exception <laughs> to the rule of going back to old games. Well, so this is my point. Is is So one of the first, like, things that happens to you when you get older as a gamer is... You realize what games you remember being fun and what <laughs> games have still totally held up. Yeah. So I think Link to the Past, like, for me, holds up no question. Like, it is as fun every time. When I think Super Nintendo hit a sweet spot of games that we were young enough to be excited about no matter what, but <laughs> game design and the capabilities of the systems getting mature enough that they could make an amazing experience that is still fun today. Because, like, I was just talking with you and other people on Twitter last night about Zelda 2 and <laughs> Simon's Quest, and those are games that, in their time, had some interesting new innovations in the whole side-scroller genre. Yes. But they're not really worth playing anymore, especially if no. you did not play them in the original era. Yeah, because then you don't even have the nostalgia goggles. Yeah. But Super Nintendo, kind of that generation of gaming, offered the... Not only was this awesome at the time, but finally games are good enough <laughs> that this holds up. <laughs> to be worth like going it's not, back to. You know, instead of like 0.01% of the games on the NES are still worth playing, <laughs> it's more like, you know, 1% to 5% of the Super Nintendo games are still worth playing. <laughs> Moving on up. Well, okay, so I think we should be fair. I think we've talked about our, our ages before, but we basically lived through like the golden age of video yeah. gaming i mean we, we got were, to watch them go from niche to mainstream yeah but i mean like we were young children when the nintendo was popular we were just there's the gonna right be age. some crabby 40 year old people that are like in the 70s i had in television and well i mean i would 40 say year olds are grandpas now they are <laughs> so I, okay we lived through the golden age of like home consoles because i mean arcades had a slightly earlier and then overlapping yeah. window. But, yeah, so, like, we, we were young children when the Nintendo was super popular, um, and then we were the right age for, like, Super Nintendo Genesis era, and then we were, like, exactly the right age for, like, the PlayStation yeah. N64 era. Because a lot of my fondest yeah, like gaming... the end of grade school. <laughs> yeah, yeah, the, the end of grade school, middle school, and then into high school was like PlayStation to PS2. Like, yeah. that was a great time. <laughs> like, I'm not saying that was the best time, but I will always look very fun. I don't think anyone looks back and they're like, man, 
the original Atari was just that was it. Like even if <laughs> yeah. they were fourteen when the Atari was popular, I don't think anyone's like that was the height of gaming. Yeah, anyone reasonable. So like okay, so what are some Nintendo games you would say hold up now into your your old manhood? Oh, all the Mario games, all of them. Nintendo's Mario <laughs> games. Uh, if we're talking about the NES, yeah, Mario yeah. one, two, three. Those are all great. The games. Lost Levels and Doki Doki Panic. <laughs> Lost Levels is not that important to me, but the other ones. Okay, so Lost what, Levels is just like hard mode Mario one. That's true. What about like Tetris or Doctor Mario? Both of those games hold up. I th- I'd say. Yeah, um, the original Castlevania. But so then that brings us to like the Simon's quests and legend of Zelda twos of the world. Yeah. Those are, those are sort of the, the adolescent growing pains of their genres. <laughs> Cause clearly from there we get to symphony of the night and That's arguably true. even super Metroid, even though Metroid existed on the nest, but the original Metroid is mostly sort of a nostalgia goggles thing. I don't think it's that fun. No, I, I definitely, when I think, best side-scrolling Metroid, I think, Super Metroid. Yeah. Not original. The original Metroid is... And I never played the Game Boy If one. you try to play the original Metroid now, you're just going to say to yourself, man, I wish I had a map and a proper save feature. You couldn't save in the original? <laughs> there was a password system. Oh, yeah. Well, see, I was a big fan of the Mega Man games, which I would say also hold up, <laughs> but there, the, the thing about the Mega Man games that's a little different from some of the other games is... I feel like the the difficulty of Mario has remained it it has gotten easier, but it hasn't gotten like drastically easier because like I actually quit I rage quit Galaxy Two because <laughs> there's just this one part where I was like, I don't have time for this. I'm important. I have things to do. I can't master this bullcrap. But like the um like the Metroid games I think have been like mostly consistent. Um, but I don't know. There's like this drop off, I think, for some games. Yeah. You think like they just get, and it's not just because we got older and we got better at video games. Like video games used to be hard. Like yeah. Nintendo games were renowned for being super hard. I think Nintendo's been good at the the core story missions of their games got easier and more accessible but then they just add bonus or extra things or you want to get all the red coins or you want to do a perfect run of everything and so that satisfies the people that are like this is too easy yeah that's a good point because with the original like super mario brothers it was just pass fail either you finish (laughs) or you don't um the the coins didn't really do anything. I mean, they contributed to your score. You can get an extra life with points, but like you didn't like collect stuff. There wasn't that like super Japanese yeah. like gotta catch them all kind of. Ooh, Pokemon. Does Pokemon hold up? I never played it, so I can't speak to it. I, I actually, I'm with you on that because I didn't have a Game Boy. I was a console gamer. I had a Game Gear briefly, but. Did, I I, did, I never really got into Game wasn't Boy. Wasn't last year there was the the whole Twitch TV thousand people playing Pokemon together thing? There happened? was. Yeah, they're still doing that. Actually, they played Pokemon. Is it just like a a democracy? Like they vote on what to do, and then the majority oh, wins, or how does it work? No, this is the exciting part. So this was an amazing social experiment. So originally, 
it was what they came to later call anarchy mode, <laughs> where button presses were inputted immediately. <laughs> so if you had 30,000 people watching, which at one point there were, I think, 30,000 people actively How entering the command, character move anywhere? <laughs> nothing was accomplished. It was, <laughs> it was chaos. Um, and then, so then later, what the, the, the programmer instituted was what they called democracy mode. So in democracy mode, every minute, or yeah, I think every 30 seconds, the most said command, I guess, the, the one that was entered into the chat most, up, B, start, whatever. So it would take like 10 minutes to walk across town? Yes. But, but when, there's enough players that it worked? Well, yeah, when you have people playing 24 hours a day, I think it only took them like eight days to beat the game because you essentially were playing non-stop. Now, here's the amazing thing about whoever thought this up. One of the commands you could enter into democracy mode was the word anarchy. <laughs> And if that was the prevailing command that minute, anarchy mode stayed on until the top of the next hour, when it would automatically reset to democracy. Like this little seizure in the middle (laughs) playing. (laughs) Well, you could see, like, because there were blog posts and Twitter accounts and stuff following it, and people would absolutely freak out when they did something as simple as, like, get their Pokemon to a Poke Center and heal them. Like, we did it! We saved (laughs) their lives! We are good people. Now we need to walk out the door, and it's going to take six hours. <laughs> That's fascinating. Yeah, I'm still interested in this <laughs> this conversation we were, we've been having about what games hold up, and was is there a, a sweetness to a certain era? Because even though we're we're hoping to talk about how do we game as adults, gaming hasn't like been frozen as the same thing for 20 years. That's very true. And so it's not like, do you still play Monopoly? Yeah, gaming as an adult in 2014 is not the same as gaming as an adult in 1984. Very true. So yeah, I mean you're right. So do you? I, I can't help but notice in the show notes you use the phrase "dude bro of duty." Like, are, have you gotten more selective about your games? Because I definitely have. Like, I was always kind of selective, half through necessity of I didn't have a huge library, and half through just being a snob. Yeah. But now it's like my time is so precious. Well, as far as my entire life, very definitely because growing up. It was like, oh, I'm going to go to the video game rental store and I'm going to rent a game and I'm going to try to look at the boxes, but I'm going to play almost anything. (laughs) And that's not the way I live anymore. Not only because you can't rent games that way anymore. (laughs) Well, I guess Redbox, but it's... Eh. Everyone has like three games and it's it's always the most popular game. Yeah, it's Dude Bro (laughs) and Madden. Yeah. Dude Ball and Dude Bro. (laughs) But yeah, I think I think as you get older as a gamer, you just start you just know what you like and it's you just get a little you do judge the games by their cover and it's correct. <laughs> <laughs> well, so this recently came up for me is like the because I the Assassin's Creed series came out when I was in college, I guess. Um and it's fun. It's it's kind of it's like a highbrow Grand Theft Auto because it's like <laughs> It's an open world, and there's... It's pretentious Grand Theft Auto. Yeah, it is, because, I mean, it's this open world, and there's, like, this lofty story, but really, you can just run around and stab people in the face <laughs> and steal their wallet. So, um, 
I never and then throw money on the ground. And they love you. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird feature. Well, their family, not them, because you just killed them. <laughs> That's true. So in uh, in the because there's four right in the numbered series now, but then there's like several offshoots. Yeah. So I played one and two, and then I played one of the mobile offshoots, which was actually pretty good. Um, and then was it the ship one? No, it was. Uh, I think it Side was the, one. The only one where the main character is a woman. Oh, the so the Vita one. Sure. Liberations. That yeah sure. Okay. I don't. Know. I played. It was one of those ones I like banged through yeah. once. So they had a woman, a female lead character, even though Ubisoft just said at E3 that it's difficult to make female characters. Yeah, that man, talk about a swing and a miss. <laughs> like, I'm going to get up in this heavily press-covered forum and say something pointlessly sexist <laughs> yeah. just to make everyone hate me. Like, I don't, I don't know all the details of that story, but I know what you're talking about. And it's like, what was he thinking? Yeah, we'll yeah, we'll have to link to that in the show notes. But basically, someone high up from Ubisoft said something incredibly sexist and stupid and just, like, fundamentally false. Um, but anyway, so I've been playing through Assassin's Creed 3, and there are two things that I've taken away from it, even in the first, like, three hours of gameplay. One is I play games much, much later than I would have as a young man or a child because money. Like, (laughs) when a brand new game comes out, I know I probably can't play it through completion on launch week or even launch month. So I'm like, well, I'll get to it. I already have this huge backlog of games I want to play, so I'll play one of those, and then by the time I get around to this other game, it'll be older, and I can play it for less money because it'll be you know used or or just discounted. We need to link to the XKCD. <laughs> yeah, yeah, ex- yeah, exactly. Um, so there's there's that, but the other thing I noticed is like there's this one close up of a character model's hand, and I couldn't help but notice that his hand is really blocky. And so the weird thing is, even though I'm not playing cutting-edge games, I'm still inundated with the media. Like, the new Metal Gear Solid, which is, like, the most beautiful thing I've ever seen. (laughs) It's like, it looks so good. And then I go back and I play, like, a four-year-old game, and I'm like, ugh. This looks terrible. We smudged oil over everything. Yeah, like, all the shadows are pixelated because they're they're casting shadows from like stock artwork in the trees and assassin's creed has always had a trouble love with its jump controls oh yeah and so the third one has actually done something kind of clever where they took away the stupid combination of buttons to make you free run yeah the drawback is that means you're always you're either walking or free running so sometimes it will intelligently say, I don't think you wanted to jump off of this building, so I'm going to make you stop and look down and realize that you would plummet to your death. Yeah. And then other times it's like, nah, bro, you can make it. And you just go careening And it's always in a, in a follow mission where one of the safest ways to stay out of sight is rooftops. Yep. And then they take weird turns you weren't anticipating down certain streets, and you're like, oh, I better run. Oh, I just jumped off a skyscraper. Yeah. Oh, now I'm dead. <laughs> and I died right right in front of the guy I was following, so he knows that I was following him. Yeah. And I've also, I have to rip on this game for a minute. So, like, <laughs> another thing is they, uh, 
So anyone who's unfamiliar with Assassin's Creed, like you're in a machine that's allowing you to relive the lives of your ancestors. Genetic memories. <laughs> that was ominous. So it's the story is told in a linear fashion, but they can just jump around because you're not actually experiencing the events. So it's not weird to be like six months later because you don't have to care about what happened in the interview. It is a hell of a frame narrative. (laughs) Yes. So it's a very powerful way to just be like, ah, don't worry about that other thing. And two years later. (laughs) Yeah. But the thing is, they all take place so far in... I mean, the most recent one is in the mid-1700s. So... And then they go way back to, like, ancient Middle Eastern times. So yeah, the original. Th- there's this, like, overlay of, like, digital effects that's the machine you're in. And every once in a while, you'll, like, achieve an objective. And then it's just, like, crazy digital effect. And then you're standing, like, ten feet away. <laughs> and it's like, well, that is a little bit jarring. But my actual problem is... I'm standing 10 feet away. I had been hidden, and now I'm just standing fully erect in the middle of a bunch of enemy soldiers whose AIs just had them wandering around while I was, like, in limbo. And now they're like, there he is! And it's like, why did you do that? (laughs) Like, if you're going to just bamf me into another location, can you bamf me still hidden or, like, incognito or something? Like, it's just, oh, God, it's so irritating. I've failed several missions because it's just like, oh, and then you reloaded standing on top of a pub table in the middle of a bunch of British <laughs> soldiers. Yeah. It's like, yeah, no, they're going to notice me when that happens. So that's, yeah. Well, and I think one of my biggest, I think they're finally fixing this with the new one, the Assassin's Creed Bro edition. <laughs> but you can find the crouch in the newest, the upcoming one. Uh-oh. Like, full-on stealth crouch behind things. That makes me worry that... Uh, now you're going to notice you can't crouch. <laughs> well, it's not that. I mean, yes. But that also makes me worry that chest-high wall shooter mechanics oh, are coming. Oh, it's coming. <laughs> so it's going to turn into Halo, Assassin's Creed Halo, Dude Bro Mass Shooter, Effect. Mass Effect Edition. Ugh. So, okay. So we were talking about old games that hold up, and then we ripped on a relatively recent game. Yeah. Uh, so... Did you play a lot of Sega games, like the Genesis yeah. and the? Okay, so do you feel like the old Sonics hold up? Mm. <laughs> I like Sonic Three a lot. You wouldn't even give it to two with the the crazy fake three D pipe special. See, zone? three had a save feature. Ooh, three did have a save feature. I just I have a lot of fond memories of three because I had a save file where I had gotten all the Chaos Emeralds. And so I could just Golden Sonic through the whole game over and over, and that was really fun. Yeah. No, I'm with you on that. And you also, that was the the first, and as far as I know, only game that had the bizarre interlocking feature. Yeah, with the Sonic and Knuckles. Yes, but you could also cram it onto some other games. And, and Sonic get- 2 could... Well, you could put any Genesis game on there, and it just gave you random special zones, like procedurally generated. They didn't do anything, yeah, but you could totally do it. <laughs> but I do remember playing through Sonic 2 as Knuckles, and 
that was like one of my first memories. It's clearly of, not designed for that. Yes, exactly. <laughs> that, like that was one of my first memories of like these levels are not designed for a character with these powers <laughs> because sometimes it made obstacles incredibly trivial, and then other times you would climb a wall to your death. Yeah, just like oh, what's yeah. up here, and I'm dead. At least Sonic Three, they designed with this idea in mind because they had walls you couldn't break unless you were Knuckles. Yes, and they had ceilings that prevented you from just climbing into the unknown oblivion. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So that was, I would say, those games. I mean, they to, to me they held up, but I know that I am looking well, at them any any time I fire up an old Sonic game, I play like two levels. Yeah, I beat the first Robotnik boss, and then I'm like, yeah, I'm good. Okay, so then now we have to flash forward again. <laughs> Did you play Sonic Four? Um, you mean like the new reboot? It was actually not Sonic the Hedgehog. It was actually called Sonic Four. I think I played two levels of it. <laughs> okay, so there's a great sequelitis video about how Mega Man X is like the greatest sequel to a game ever, and we'll link to it in the show notes. But just again, fair- <laughs> oh yeah, we did. Fair warning: if I didn't say this the first time, it's so like not safe for work language. I think it's funny, but it's like childishly funny. Um, but anyway. Sonic 4, the whole point of Sonic 4 was that it was a return to 2D scrolling and that it had <clears throat> the feel of old Sonic games. Now, for anyone in our age range that played a lot of Sonic games, <clears throat> I'm getting choked up with, with rage here. For anyone in our age range that played a lot of Sonic games, the feel of those games is deeply ingrained into my thumbs. Yeah. And I played Sonic 4 because they released, uh, they did it episodically. I think they made it all the way to episode 2 before people stopped buying it. It's like Half-Life episodes. Yeah, except people demand new Half-Life. No one is demanding new Sonic 4. It's because they've broken our hearts so many times. (laughs) How about we give them a sword? No, No. don't give them a sword. Stop. Just make them run fast and it looks cool. That's all. Yes, you have one job. (laughs) But so in Sonic 4, there's this very obvious loss of momentum like in the old sonic games you could scut uh like skitter stop off of a cliff where you were trying to stop but your momentum just carried you off of a cliff yeah and that meant you had to be good at like last second jumps and things like that and this one like you can just come to an instant grinding halt yeah it's like no (laughs) nothing about sonic says magical breaks yeah. Magical gas pedal, no magical brakes. Like it just, and it. I I I remember Susan was in the room. I downloaded the episode one because episode one was free. And I was like, okay, I'm gonna play. And like 15 seconds in, I was like, this is broken. This is so fundamentally broken. And I tried, man. I wanted it to <laughs> succeed so bad. So what was the last great Sonic game? Was it Sonic Sonic 3? Sonic 3 with Sonic Knuckles. I would say together. Yeah, so none of the adventure games. I never had a Dreamcast. Uh, so I can't... Or a GameCube? Nope. Released well, I had a GameCube, and I never had... It was I had a GameCube for Smash Brothers. Like That was the sole purpose <laughs> of owning... You had a Smash Brothers machine. <laughs> yes, I did. <laughs> Um, so I, I'm not saying those are bad games. I honestly can't speak to them. Yeah, they don't hold up. <laughs> they don't hold up. Yeah, because they, they saw Mario 64 happen, and they're like, what if we did that to Sonic? Ugh. And so when you're Sonic in a level, it's awesome. It's amazing. You're running on a pier, and there's this 
you know, Shamu is smashing everything <laughs> behind you and it looks amazing. But then they decided, what if in between those amazing moments, there was like an hour of wandering through a barren wasteland of an open world city that has literally nothing to do, but you have no idea where to go. And then you have to talk to people and you're like, do you not know? Like Sega, you forget what Sonic was. Yeah. This is, I think you've said before, like, I want a Legend of Zelda game that's just all dungeons. Yeah. Like, don't don't make me do crap in between. I feel like Sonic is, like, I just want to be Sonic doing Sonic stuff. Like, and let's think, if Sonic needed to go around and talk to people to get information, he would make Tails do that. Yeah. He would be like, Tails, go find out whatever. I'm going to go run and jump and be fast. <laughs> like... There, sh- there would just be intermediary levels where you're waiting for Tails to come back and give you information. And how often have you been playing a Sonic game and you're just like, uh, I wish I had more storyline. Can you just uh, tell me some story? Exactly none times. <laughs> I, I do remember... He's saving animals that have been turned into robots. That's all. Yeah. I don't need anything else. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it's just like, I don't need to know what the... Uh, political ramifications behind Tetris are. Like, blocks are falling from the sky, and I have to line them up. We do have to find that comic now of the the Russian guy laying brick. He's, like, enslaved, and every morning they've taken away his wall. There's also uh, College Humor has a good short about the Tetris god and like he's like a Greek god who decides which block comes Is out. That like next. This, this, the guy pushing the boulder up a hill, basically. No, he's <laughs> like a vengeful ancient okay. god. It's uh, it, it's it's predictable, but still, you know, well done enough that it's it's worth a chuckle. But it probably I, describes college humor in general. Yes, <laughs> I would say that's right. Predictable, but worth a chuckle. It's free, so what do you want? Um, but, so okay, with Sonic. I have always, and this has just reminded me of my deep desire for this thing that will never happen. And they came close, and then they totally fucked it up, which is even more disappointing. Um, Super Mario is awesome. And then they made, like, an RPG version in Super Mario RPG. And then later they did the Paper Mario games, which I played one of, the Thousand Year Door, and it was super fun. So, like, Side Scroller became RPG was still good. Yeah. (laughs) Mega Man. They did the Mega Man Legends games, which were 3D, and they were action-oriented, but it, they were like Legend of Zelda more than like Final Fantasy, where it was action to defeat enemies, but you like got upgrades. The city, yeah. Yeah, but it was they were awesome games, and I would love to know if those games hold up, because I have not gone back to I'm going to say they would don't, but... <laughs> I, I agree that they probably don't, <laughs> because I remember how sluggish the controls are. But, like, again, side-scroller action game became an RPG, really held up. How has this not happened with Sonic yet? Yeah. And I feel like the main thing is what you just said. Like, well, if I'm going to be playing a Sonic, I want to be running around going fast. But they've given up on that. Yeah. So let's just go turn-based and call it a day. (laughs) Just give me a 16-bit Sonic RPG where, like... Sonic gets the most attacks. Just make it Fantasy Star with Sonic. Yeah, like this is. I will totally give that. God, a try. Give me a new Fantasy Star that's not an MMO. I it, hasn't the last two been. They haven't made a, a straight Star up one? Fantasy Star since the Genesis era. Yeah, so four was yeah. the last one, and that was fifteen years ago. <laughs> it was mid nineties. It was like around Final Fantasy three. 
Yikes. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So 20 years. <laughs> oh man, Fantasy Star 4. That one chick whose name I can't think of totally bites it. Uh, I cry. Seems like there's a an heiress moment in most of the Fantasy Star games. I only played two with and less four. M- people remember, remembering. I, it. I I never got all the way through one, and I think I played through three once, but two and four. Three is the one we have different generations. Yeah, you like play as their children. Oh their yeah, children. Yeah, but yeah, two and four. I, I must have either had a friend that owned it or the the local blockbuster had only those ones, but those were the ones I played through the most. I miss that aesthetic because there's something so distinct about Fantasy Star compared to most JRPGs to me. Yes. Well, for one thing, that they did future well. Yeah. Because I feel like Final Fantasy has gone all future, and I don't like it. No, don't. I don't like because it Because it's all. still like, emo kids crying instead of, like, <laughs> adults there, fighting real problems. Fantasy Star, it's like, oh, crying. we have, like, a... a like our planet is crazy biologically, and we have these dome systems yeah. that go haywire, and you're you're destroying the computer that's trying to kill everyone. Or you're. <laughs> I just kind of realized that Fantasy Star is the RPG that takes place in the post-apocalyptic future of Chrono Trigger. <laughs> Like, right before Lavos shows up, that's the world of Fantasy Star. Yeah. Like, it's about that level of technology. Huh. But yeah, so those games, like, here's another weird thing. You remember how tall and skinny the characters were? Yeah. Everyone had the exact same build, and they were, like, really, really tall and skinny. Yeah. I feel like whenever I see someone do 8-bit art, that's what they look like. And the Fantasy Star games were not, like, overwhelmingly popular. So it's weird to me that that like clothespin style of character is the mm-hmm. the style I see so much. Is it just because like the Final Fantasy sprites are too complicated? I don't know. I mean, Trevor and Simon Belmont are kind of that tall and skinny too. That's true, but they had very different animations. The Fantasy Star animations well, were course. incredibly simple because it was it was a stepping. It was it. Yeah, that's true. And then they had different character models in battle. Those all, yeah, you got to look at the back of their head a lot. Yeah, how do you feel about that? The back of the head thing versus the, the traditional good guys on the right, enemies on the left. I mean, I think it was nice at the time. It'd be like, Genesis is 16-bit. Look at these big arcade-looking characters. Oh, you think that was the whole point? It's like, look what we can do. Yeah, I think so. Hmm. And then by the time Final Fantasy got there, they couldn't just outright copy it. By the time Final Fantasy got there, it was Final Fantasy VII with blocky... Well, I meant meant when Final Fantasy went from 8-bit to a 16-bit system. Uh, They just stayed with the same squatty. Huh. Interesting. Now, I need to find someone in the video game industry and be like, did you choose that angle just to be different from Final Fantasy, or were you showing off the technology chops? Well, it fits the futuristic well, because they have like the the Tron landscape in front of you, or the, the, just the in, grid, in the perspective three, in grid. In 3 and 4, they had backgrounds, didn't they? I don't remember. I feel like they did. I know in the old ones it was definitely the Tron grid. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah, so that's... I guess it also spoke to the... A lot of the weapons were ranged weapons, and you actually, like, saw them. So, like, one of the weapons was, like, a flying disc thingy, which seems... Yeah, which seems ridiculously impractical, but you got to see it do the little shrink 
yeah. animation as it went out. Or you'd the, throw the boomerang and it would slice through all of them. Yeah. Oh, all of one enemy type. <laughs> Never quite understood the limitation there, but... <laughs> Yeah, so that 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 definitely sounds like a combination of look at what we can do graphically and hey, we're not Final Fantasy. Yeah. Like we're in the future and we're over the shoulder. Final Fantasy is side on and in the past. Man, are, the, are those games grindy. There. I'd go. say they hold up if you like JRPGs and you're playing on an emulator where you can speed things up. <laughs> yeah. So which actually another interesting thing. So I think I mentioned this on the show before, but that to me was no question one of the best features in Bravely Default is that you can speed up animations and the animations are not tedious until you've been playing with the game sped up for a while and then you can never <laughs> go back. It. Well, because I realized, because I, there's two speed ups, there's like the two double fast forward arrows and then four fast forward arrows and I realized that I was fighting all normal fights sped up one or sped up two, and then boss fights, I would just go down to one. And the only reason I would just go down to one is because it's turn-based, but sometimes there's text on the screen that's relevant, like, this thing just happened. Hey, don't hit him right now. (laughs) Exactly. And it's like, I need to know what that said. So I got really good at getting the gist of a sentence from only two or three words as it flashed by. Yeah. But that so so we've been talking a lot about like what games hold up and and you just said I want a new blank fantasy star in this case but I know what you really want is a new Metroid yes so and Kotaku just did a poll or actually Miyamoto was interviewed by Kotaku and he's like yeah go ahead and ask your readers like what games do you want to see and the top voted game was Metroid was it by like a no question margin yes yeah I believe that. So here's what I want to ask you then. As someone who is holding out for Half-Life 3 and the next Metroid and all these kinds of sequel, sequely or continuation of a series things, do you want to see, generally speaking, them advance the technology that they use to tell the story? Like, do you want a 3D Metroid or do you just want another Metroidvania side-scroller? I would take either because the the 3D Metroids are great and they're they're yeah, I would play that just as hard as I would play a new Metroidvania. <laughs> I would play it so hard. Um to me Metroid is about being alone and sort of in a creepy environment and then having tons of awesome stuff to collect to become a god. Yeah. <laughs> and Yeah, that, that pretty much describes <laughs> the genre when it's done right. Yeah. And I think that's why I don't mind if they just keep churning out classic Metroid games because Nintendo will spend two or three years making it a great game that will hold up. Right. Whereas every single... is Should you buy Guitar Hero every single year? Nope. <laughs> no, they proved that that model only holds up for should a few you years. buy Call of Duty every year? Should you buy Madden every year? So... I think that's why I I don't I can confidently tell Nintendo yeah make as many Metroids as you want because I know they won't make one every six months and say right. here's a new map pack. <laughs> <laughs> In this one, her hair is different color. Same, obviously, even more true of Half Life. They will spend a decade and or more. Then, you know, <laughs> you get the sense that like Gabe Newell and company are just waiting for the holodeck. They're like, you know, we can't advance gaming enough with you know, better graphics. Like, okay, so Half-Life 3 will look a little better if they release it right now. 
But will it really be any fundamentally different? Yeah, I guess that kind of speaks to a different philosophy. Whereas, um, and see, Valve also, I feel like they have kind of a secret sauce that people don't respect a lot, which is they make money from Steam. So if they don't put out a game for 30 years, they still have an income stream. Yeah. Whereas, like, Nintendo can't just be like, yeah, we're going to put everything on hold until we feel like we're ready. Because yeah. their their livelihood is selling their games. Especially because third-party titles do so crap on their system. Yeah. Whereas Valve can be like, eh, we'll get to it when we're ready. But in the meantime, we're going to take a cut of every purchase of Civilization V. <laughs> Which, I mean, is smart. Like, it allows them to have total artistic integrity because they have this alternative income stream. So do you feel like... When I think Half-Life is kind of that game that... Yeah, it's a game, but it's also sort of a game development benchmark at this point of, like, <laughs> they, they don't make a new one until they can do something new. Well, yeah, so that's it exactly. Is You would take the old of Metroid because... You just want it's more rock of the solid, same. and yeah. they make good games. Yeah, <laughs> you're just asking for more of the same. You're not asking for them to advance the field of gaming. I mean, they're welcome to. <laughs> sure, <laughs> they can. But would you take more of the same Portal and more of the same Half Life? I would, but because they're just solid games. But and the storytelling is great in Half Life and yeah. Portal. But I also get that they. Every, I guess the episodes have been a little more incremental, but Half-Life in general, like, the first Half-Life was kind of a huge leap forward for first-person shooters, because it was just, the scripted events were just so cinematic for the time. Yeah. And then they somehow took that to 11 with Half-Life 2. <laughs> I remember the first time I saw the physics demo, and he was dragging a mattress around and knocking tables over, and I was like... That's a thing you can do now in games. Oh my god. It's I, like reality. Because there was a couple other games that came out with the Havoc physics at the same time, like Prey. And it was like, oh, he bumped a box and it fell over, sort of, realistically. <laughs> but then that Half-Life, you know, it was just, that demo was just one of the most amazing things that ever happened <laughs> as a young gamer. It was the greatest moment of my life. And so I'm wondering, can they do that again? Like, can they come out with Half-Life 3? Well, it can't be physics, because physics are in every single game now. When Yeah, physics are on mobile phones. Yeah. So do you think they'll... Are they secretly waiting to... Is Half-Life 3 going to be like an Oculus Rift exclusive? <laughs> Is it? Are they going to confuse the hell out of everyone when they're like, it's a 3DS exclusive. The real 3D is amazing. <laughs> no. I think, I mean, maybe maybe that is something they're waiting for, not just 3D headsets to be everywhere mainstream, but for the graphics to be good enough and smooth enough on them to be immersive. So I wonder, do you happen to know, because you, you do follow this kind of news even tighter than I do, is technology what's holding up Half-Life 3? Or is that the party line of what's holding up Half-Life 3? I mean, at this point, Valve never says anything. They're they're just full... (laughs) They've gone full Apple on it, which is probably a good thing. (laughs) Yeah. Especially because it's it's gone... They've gone past ludicrous speed to plaid in terms of, like, (laughs) how long it's been. That it's like... Yeah, you know what? Take your time. Like... It's no longer like I just finished the last episode and I want to know more of the story and give me more 
fun gameplay. It's like, okay, take your time and make something that'll make my jaw drop. Well, I just, I'm wondering if they're going to suffer Duke Nukem Forever problem, where eventually it will be so comical that they haven't released this game that people will be like, you can never live, you have to give it to us now, but you can never live up to our expectations. So even if you gave us the greatest game ever made, we're going to hate it. <laughs> I didn't know that Duke Nukem Forever was far and away not the greatest game ever made, <laughs> but my point is, like, Eventually, is there some uh, some like event horizon you pass where it's like now you can never live up to our expectations? I, I mean, they could. I mean, Valve isn't God; they can disappoint. But I think, yeah. Well, it's like they a, don't have to make Half Life Three. There's no contract, so, and it's sort of a, it's a little different than Duke Nukem because it's not like they've been showing demos at every E3 <laughs> and like promising it. You know, next year, next year, everyone, oh, it's, it's coming, it's totally coming. And I'm reminded of in the late '90s when Team Fortress, the original, was kind of one of the popular mods hmm. of Half Life. Is they they sort of revealed and announced Team Fortress Two. Right, and it, which took a long time. If you time. dig up old screenshots, it looks like a '90s shooter. It's a, it, it well, it, it looks like n- a '90s World War II shooter. Yeah, it has none of the cartoony graphics. It has nothing that we now know Team Fortress Two to be. And they spent probably six or seven years before they actually released a Team Fortress Two. Yeah, and well, the the one we all I know think and love. Their success with it can speak for itself. Of they nailed it. Yeah. Yeah, people still glom on the Team Fortress 2 like nobody's business. So th- this is like a weird we've left old gaming and new gaming to kind of talk about like this the ethereal gaps between <laughs> those places cuz I mean eventually the games we're playing right now will be old games. Like they'll still be games we didn't play as children. Yeah. But you know, in 15 years will I look back at Final Fantasy 13 and be like I can't wait to fire that up I really don't think so no I've barely struggled through it to begin with and I love Final Fantasy but I might play The Last of Us in 10 years okay yeah (laughs) so that's supposed to be absolutely amazing that's still that's one of the games that's on my like to play because it's uh I've gotten to the point now where I've let like my trusted advisors in society like curate my game list. I haven't gotten here with movies yet. Like with movies, I know what movies I want to see and I just know I'm not going to go to the theater and see them, but yeah. I usually see them within a year because it gets released and then it goes to, you know, mm-hmm. rental and then it goes to Netflix and then I watch it. Um, but with gaming, I like, I have the games I want to play. And then if enough people are like, now nah, they're terrible. then I'm like, eh, and it just kind of gets crossed off my list because I, I'm never going to make it to all of them. I mean, even when I was a kid, I never got to make it to all of them. I'm definitely not going to make it to all of them now. Yeah. Um, the uh, Speaking of the Assassin's Creed series, um, is it Brotherhood that's like the offshoot to 2? There's two offshoots to 2, but yeah, there's What's Brotherhood. What's the one where he's old? Um, 
I can't think of one where he's old, so it must have been the one I didn't play, Revelations. That, yes. <laughs> so I heard from multiple people, they were like, yeah, Revelations is... It's, yeah. So I played Brotherhood, and Brotherhood was fine. Yeah. I mean, it wasn't great. It was just more of two. Yeah. But Revelations had like a slightly different tone and a slightly different like kind of goings-on, and Everyone I talked to was just like, yeah, it's, you know, I mean, you, 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 <laughs> probably, <laughs> you could probably skip it. So I did. Like, I had totally planned. I was like, well, it's part of the main story. I need to know the main story. And then everybody was like, don't bother. Like, nah, I can Wikipedia that. <laughs> yeah, and then enough people were like, don't bother, that I was like, I'm going to just have to go with the consensus or on Metroid this. Other M. <laughs> yeah. I, I know so I want little you to about know how it, bad it except is. that it's horrible. Yeah. It was like... It's like meeting someone that I've been told no, like this, this game has no virtues. Apparently. No, it's not. Does it have any redeeming? Well, I mean, it's got basic mechanics are fine. Like the way it plays, it's 60 frames per second, really smooth, good graphics. It's just so fundamentally not a good Metroid game. (laughs) (laughs) Well, you said it's, it's like a squad shooter almost. Where there's like well, people giving you orders, there's other people around. I mean, you're not actively fighting with teammates or anything, but you're. There's just they just went full. I don't know, full <laughs> something. You never go full that thing. The the storytelling, just forcing like narrative storytelling into Metroid is like. I don't know, just let me, I'm, I'm a bounty hunter and I went alone, let me do yeah. my thing. Yeah, I, I get it. Well, especially because I feel like with a low narrative story, I think Portal's a good example. Like with a low narrative, low information story, it makes the little bits of information you get about the world feel like diamonds yeah like they're so valuable i remember the first time in portal when i saw the scrawled messages on the wall and you find like the hidden room yeah it, it, that was like a big powerful moment in the story of like whoa yes and then you, you have to start people. like piecing them together because you're like oh it's the they're not different crazy people they're all one crazy person yeah. now there's like a coherent message i can learn about him and it's just like that that little bit of hope you get of like, oh, there's like people like messing up this horrible testing system and escaping or yes. trying to. <laughs> well, and I don't know about you, but for me, once you get out of the the test chambers, because the test chambers feel very sterile and isolated and they're well lit and you can see everywhere. A couple of them you can't, but generally you can't. When you break out and you're into like the pipes and the stuff, like... Now it's like I'm where I'm not supposed to be, and I know there was at one time another person here, at least one other person. Yeah. And so it's like, is that person going to like jump out and try to brutally murder me? Like, all I have is my portal gun, and I don't know of any way to swing it like a club. So then, you know, it became like, it's not like a horror survival game, but it, it added tension to know that I was not alone in this puzzle universe. Yeah, I think Portal is an amazing example of game storytelling because it didn't stop being a game when it started being storytelling. Yes. And that's the that's a I won't say it's the way to do it, but it's a great way to do it. Yeah. Well, like I'm I'm thinking now in uh, in Super Metroid when cuz Super Metroid is a direct continuation from Metroid. Yeah. So you 
fought the Metroids, and then it's kind of like, oh, wait, maybe killing an entire species was sort of bad. So then, <laughs> so then in Super Metroid, when you, you're like 80% of the way through the game, and then one of them like flies into the room, and it's these are 16-bit chip sounds, and it goes like, winner! Yeah. And it's like, that was a sad noise. And it's the one you saved in Metroid 2 on Game Boy. Yes. But it's like... It's very obvious that it's sad and scared from, like, this stupid little crappy sound. I don't need a freaking 3D animated cutscene. <laughs> yeah. I don't need lines of Samus going, oh, my God, I think it remembers me. Like, it's just, yeah. I know everything that I need to know. And then later it comes back and, like, gloms onto your head and helps you. <laughs> In fact, the worst part of Super Metroid is the first five minutes when they force story on you and you can't skip it. Oh, the, the text, like, scrolling Even though the, across the music is wonderful. The do Well, but it's kind of, it's like you have to take your medicine. It's like we can't just throw you into the universe. The last Metroid is in captivity. Yes. Well, oh, God, that narrator. So that's partially his fault. He, was just, he did a terrible job reading those lines. But I, I feel like they, they're like, you know, we're just going to front load, like, 90 seconds of story. I know it's not. It doesn't ruin the game or anything. It's just no. It doesn't ruin the game. But I mean, it's like they knew they were like we we have to force this pill down your throat. It's going to be really fast, and then you're going to be on a space station that's exploding. But thankfully, <laughs> there's no Navi. There's no one popping in and going, "Hey, Samus, did you know you can jump on these platforms?" Oh, like that would <laughs> that would kill me. And they actually came close to some <sighs> of that in Metroid Fusion for Game Boy Advance because there's a computer. That's uh, sort that of directing you. you. And it, that wall looks like you could blow it up with a missile. Yep. That kind of crap. Yep. Yeah. Nope. If you're going to do that, you need to be really, 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 really smart about how you convey that information. Because that information needs to be conveyed. I need to know that that's a thing. But that's why all the walls in Zelda have giant cracks in them. So that no one has to walk up to you and be like, that stone looks weak. Or even, and do you remember in Link to the Past, if you tap your sword on a wall... Yeah, it made it makes, a different noise. Yeah. yeah, stuff like that. Little subtle, because they know people just walk around with the sword charged. Right? <laughs> so, so I just... I mean, you did, because you had to be ready. Just like you play through levels of Mega Man with the Mega Buster charge, yeah. which made jumping really awkward, but you did it. Yeah, dash jumping. Yep. Yeah. So I just realized, um, thinking about the opening to Super Metroid... The one and only time in all of the gameplay that you are in a room that has other human beings in it, they are all dead. Yeah. (laughs) And so you said, and you've said this many times, and like how important it is that the the vibe of Metroid is like isolation. Like you are the lone explorer, bounty hunter, doing things that other people can't do. And so it's significant that the one and only time you see other humanoid, or human, I guess, characters drawn on the screen is their corpses yes. strewn about the lab on the space station. <laughs> yeah. It's, like, that's powerful. And no, she doesn't walk into the room and go, oh my god, they're all dead. And then start crying. Yeah, because she's a bounty hunter, so... She sees it all the time. Yeah, seeing dead things and making things dead is kind of <laughs> kind of her job. I see dead things. Exactly. So I just I feel like 
uh, you, this conversation is making me want to play other M's so much less. Like, I didn't want to play it at all, and now I'm, like, into the negatives. Yeah, the only reason I want you to play it is so that you can know how, know my pain. <laughs> Not because I think you'll enjoy it. How many hours would it take? Is it long? Oh, I didn't beat it. <laughs> you just couldn't even see it through? No, no, no way. Okay, so I'm I'm willing to commit three gameplay hours sure, to this. Sure, that's plenty to, to realize how bad it is. Just so, can I play with a classic controller? No, it's only a Wii remote. It's just the only control style. Because it's basically a, a side scroller with two buttons, a jump and a shoot button. And then oh, it's, sometimes it's you. Oh, it's not po- 3D? Sometimes you point at the screen and it goes first person. And you can't move while you're in first person. You're just aiming. So it's Resident Evil. Yeah. And but- <laughs> so it's like probably 90% side scroller and then occasional first person stuff. Okay. Is it on rails ever when it's first person, or are you just stationary? It's stationary. It's like you're in a boss fight, and you need to... You did your 2D stuff to make it weak, and then you got to point at it and hit it in its weak spot. Stuff like that. So I'm already regretting this commitment, because this (laughs) sounds awful, but I'm going to do it. I will commit... That's not the awful part. The story is the awful part. Yeah, but if the gameplay is also mediocre, it's like... I'm not having fun, and then I'm bored by this terrible story. Or not even bored, but, like, upset, because they ruined yeah. this good character in this great universe. So, I'm yes, I will commit three gameplay hours to Metroid Other M. <laughs> okay, you heard it here. Yes, it's it's written forever. No, I'd say the gameplay is, like, a C, C+, plus, and then the story is, like, a D- minus or F. <laughs> but not an F-. minus. <laughs> no, it's not an F-, minus, but... Has is has there been an, a Metroid F minus? No, no. So I have to say one last thing because we're, we're coming up on time here. Um, we haven't really talked a whole lot about mobile gaming. I mean, I think I've said more than once. I didn't have a Game Boy as a kid. Um, I did have a Game oh, Gear. Poor child. I know. How many batteries did you burn through with that Game Gear? All of them. <laughs> there, there are no batteries left in the universe because I had a Game Gear. Last like five hours on six batteries or whatever. Yeah, it wasn't good. I, I mean, it, it ended up being plugged in a lot. <laughs> but so the the thing about my mobile gaming life is I didn't have a Game Boy because at the time I had an opportunity to get a mobile system, I was really big into Sonic, and I wanted Mobile Sonic. So, And the, the Game Gear Sonics were okay. Um, but my problem was a Game Gear cost like $100,000, and then each game also cost like tens of thousands of dollars. Yeah, it was like upwards of like 130 150 bucks, wasn't it? For it, a Game Gear? At the very least. Was Game Boy launched it, yeah. at $90. It, it was like console prices because they had color and they had full sound and all like this other BS. And But the reason that I got sour on mobile gaming was because I had a Game Gear for like a couple months and then someone stole my games out of my backpack. Not the Game Gear. Just the games. Just my games. So then, you know, I was like... 10 at this point so it was like I couldn't just be like well that sucks I'll go to the store and buy new games and my parents were like no we can't take out a second mortgage on the house to replace these <laughs> ludicrously expensive games that 35 40 dollar games yeah that you only kind of are met on <laughs> especially because I had consoles so it was like do I beg them to replace my crappy mobile games or do I get 
you know, my, my couple of console games this year. So I made the right decision. And then mobile gaming on like a smartphone has not really captivated me because it kind of sucks. Yep. <laughs> I've played a couple. The Ministry of Silly Walks game is okay, but it's just another endless yeah, runner. Yeah, it's pretty dumb. But yeah. the, the one genre I've put many hours into on touchscreen devices are tower defense games. Can you recommend a particularly good one? Plants vs. Zombies? Oh, see, I played that on what, PC. So, but, so you played it. Yeah. No, I mean, it's a good game, but I just or, I wouldn't uh, go out of my way to play it on Kingdom Rush. I don't know if... Kingdom Rush. I'll have to check I that I think one they've out. ported that to Android. I hope they have, because it's great. Yeah, I'll check that one out. But this is... Yeah, this is my thing. That's one genre nice. that works really well on touchscreens. Right. So... That's the thing, is the the genres that I want to play most don't really speak well to touchscreens. Yeah, virtual D-pads are not fun. No, side-scrolling action games are just a catastrophe. And um, RPGs are okay, but they're not, like, perfect because they haven't mastered suspend. And this is really the whole reason I bought up mobile, mobile gaming, is because I've played a couple of games on... Uh, the 3DS that I never would have been able to commit the time to if I couldn't be like, oh, it's time for me to get off the train and just snap it shut. Yeah. Not like pause it, press the power button, hold down B, and then close it. Just like literally in the middle of a character animation, just like boom. (laughs) Like that is an invaluable resource for the gamer on the go. And then you flip it back open and instantaneously you can begin. Yeah, right. The anim- It's like I blinked. Like yeah. The animation picks up exactly where it was. The music is There's exactly where it was. There's even DS games where you have to do that as a mechanic. Really? Yeah, I think there, it's the Zelda Phantom Hourglass where you have like a two parts of a map and you're supposed to fold the map on itself and it like stamps something down. Ooh. <laughs> that's that's a little gimmicky, but stuff like that can be fun if it's used sparingly. Yeah. You don't want to be closing the damn thing every 10 seconds. And so how do you do that if you have a Nintendo 2DS? <laughs> huh. Which doesn't have a clamshell. Yeah, it doesn't fold. I think there's a button. Maybe that, you just punch the there's screen. A, there's like a sleep button, and so it just oh, accomplishes right. the same thing without the visceral effect. Yeah. But yeah, so that's... like I haven't played really any games extensively on the Vita, but I know the Vita also has a suspend feature. Yeah, it's and, basically as fast as a smartphone sleep-wake. Yeah, and my question is, how have we not mastered this on smartphones and tablets? Like when I'm when I hit the home button when I have a game open and then I go back to the game, it should be exactly where I was. Yeah. Like why not? I think at least on iOS it it is if you do that within a few minutes, but eventually it's gonna flush that RAM and say sorry. So is that it? Is it just a technological limitation? I because think to hold that state I think it's by RAM. design on iOS is they tell apps like don't guarantee you're going to be running full blown while you're in the background forever. You well, get like yeah, 7 minutes. That's what I mean. Is so there the the OS since it has other things to do besides game is saying I'm going to hold on to this RAM for a minute, but if he doesn't come back, yeah. you're going to have to start from scratch. So maybe it is just a technical limitation. So we need to have 8 gigs of RAM and a phone. And I will I'm sure have we're not two, far off from that. And and I'll let two gigs be dedicated to a game full time. Like that's I'm fine with that. 
that would totally revolutionize my gaming experience on mobile phones. Well, I feel like developers could get smarter too about when you go to the home screen, it saves what it needs to save so that even if it does, the process gets killed. Right. You can relatively resume exactly where you were. Yeah. Yeah. A, a, a facsimile of standby would be good enough if it was good enough. It doesn't actually have to store the entire game yeah. state in RAM. Like, I don't care how they do it. Just give me the experience of doing it. So that's... I, I never... Like as I've said, I, you know, I never really did mobile gaming as a kid, but I find now it is making some gaming possible. Like, yeah. that's... I have five... It's not exactly an ideal experience, but the alternative is, like, with Bravely Default, it was like, I either play this on the train or mm-hmm. I don't play it at all. Which reminds me, I need to get Final Fantasy IX downloaded and I can hand you my Vita for a couple months. Yes. Because <laughs> that's, that's, it's just the... It's such a satisfying experience to be like, I have five minutes. I'm going to do something I enjoy for five minutes. Just like you could pick up a book and read, like, half a chapter. Or you could, you know, if you're a big music person, you could fire up your iPod and listen to, like, a song or two, but... With gaming, we didn't really have that equivalent until recently. Yeah, that I mean, everyone who grew up gaming in the 80s and 90s knows the mom calling you for dinner, and you're like, I gotta save my game! Yeah. One more level, and then I can save! And then, same person also remembers pretending you had to save your game, and you couldn't <laughs> yet, even though you could. Yeah. Oh no! Or in yeah. games where it's irrelevant, like Street Fighter, and you're just yeah. like, I just want to keep playing, I'm going to tell her I need to save my game, and she doesn't know. Yeah. Well, like with uh, later model Final Fantasy games where you could... Because Final Fantasy pretty much always had save points, you know, but they got really generous with them. Like, they eventually were just sprinkles that covered the world. Like, every two feet there's another save spot. And then since Final Fantasy was like my main RPG growing up, that series, I remember playing other RPGs where I would go hours without saving because I forgot that all I had to do was press start and yeah. just save at whatever point I wanted. <laughs> it was like I was always looking for like a visual cue to remind me, like, hey, you're about to die. Then you'd wander into the ro- across the wrong bridge and get slaughtered, and yeah. you're like, no. <laughs> yeah, th- this is a huge problem of the Fallout, the modern Fallout games, because in the modern Fallout games... It, you rely on autosave. No one saves manually in modern Fallout well, then games. You get autosaved into a corner. <laughs> well, the autosaves are pretty good about not brutally killing you. But the thing is, when you're on the overworld map, where there's lots to explore on the overworld map, it's not autosaving because you're not going in and out of right. locations. So you're just like, oh, what's over this hill? Death claws! Death claws everywhere! <laughs> they just swarm you. And then you have this like cold sweat realization that you've been on the overworld map for 90 minutes and you found all this cool stuff and, and all these locations. You're about to lose it all. Like, nope. Yeah, and that's when you just pull out all the stops. You're like, all the items I've been saving, anything to get me out of this yeah. and far enough I'll away. I'll come back in a couple of years and <laughs> yeah. pick it all back up. Uh, that's... That's a unique experience. To re- relying on autosave creates those horrible, unique experiences. Because any game where you could die at a moment's notice but doesn't have autosave usually has been doing quiet checkpoints in the background. So it's like when you die, you go to like a nearby checkpoint. Or you go to town, but you lost half your gold, and you're like, yeah, okay, whatever. But fair you, enough. You, all the locations you found are still found on your map. Yeah. Anything you acquired is still acquired. 
But yeah, no, not Fallout, man. Totally unforgiving. Like, oh, you didn't save recently? Now there are death claws. Yeah. Make your peace with it. I I bet I can find, for anyone who hasn't played Fallout, I'm going to try and find an uh, information of a YouTube video of someone getting mauled to death by death claws so you can see how horrifying that experience is. I think that's a good note to go out on. I think it is definitely a good note to go out on. (laughs) Oh, and Kingdom Rush, totally on uh, Android now. So it's 99 cents. I'm going to check oh, it out. Oh, it's it's addicting. You will burn through that. I, I'm going to do it. 99 cents is totally fair price. We At another time, we have to talk about paying for things that are worth paying for. <laughs> yes. That's another day. So, Mike, where can people find you out on that big, wide internet? All right. Follow me on Twitter. I'm M. Edwards Music, or find me on the web at pseudomichael.com. How about you? People can find me at Lions in Beta on Twitter or lionsinbeta.com and plus David Lyons on Google+. And if you want to check out the show notes or leave us some comments or follow up on what games you think hold up or um, anything else about the episode you want to riff on, head to flippingtablespodcast.com slash 020. Woo! We made it. We didn't even celebrate. We made it into... We're cool second. like that. We don't have to call it out. We know we're cool. Oh, yeah. No, that's what I meant. <laughs> yeah. No. I'm just... All right. See you all next week. Have a good week. <laughs>